Welcome to the DB&J Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Turnbuckle Jim, and here with me are... Chair Shot Donnie, live from Raleigh, North Carolina. Fast Count Brian, and I'm everywhere. <laughs> All right, well, tonight we're doing the Monday Night Raw from uh, March 10th, 2014. We're also doing uh, WrestleMania 7 review, uh, as well as uh, our top five favorite WrestleMania matches of all time. Did I get that list right? Yeah, and trust me, it, it was a hard thing to do. Even like uh, right up to this minute, I was having a hard time getting my five together. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. I mean, you could do like a top hundred list and probably not have a, a, as much good matches on there. Um, so anyway, let's get just get into it. Um, Raw from Monday nights. Um, I thought this was was kind of boring until the middle, and then it, it really started picking up. Uh, we start out with uh, uh, the beginning, which was the Hulk Hogan, John Cena, Bray Wyatt segment. Uh, Brian, what were your thoughts on that? You know, it it served it served a really good purpose because I mean, who else would who else is better to say or bring up the Andre the Giant uh, battle royal than Hogan himself? But to tell you the truth, like the whole Cena thing, like he he basically just runs down Bray Wyatt, and the two seconds later he's like, oh, I want to match with you at WrestleMania. Like you know, I thought that that could have been handled a little better, but yeah. other other than that, it seemed. It was, it was effective, and it led right into the match, which, if you're going to get Cena wrestling on the show, do it early. <laughs> Donnie, what would you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty um, interested in this Andre Cup or trophy or whatever they're calling it. Uh, a 30-man battle royal at WrestleMania just sounds, uh, well, it sounds crazy. <laughs> it's crazy awesome. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for that. I really didn't even pay much attention to the Cena uh, you know, uh, Luke Harper, wasn't that the guy? I get him mixed uh, no, up. No, it was Rowan. Uh, Rowan Ro- Eric Bond. Rowan. Okay, yeah, I, Rowan. I get him mixed up all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wasn't even really paying attention to the match as much as I was, you know, looking over, you know, what what who's going to be the one that they pick to go over in that, because whoever it is, they're going to be over strong. Yeah, that's probably very true. Um, I'm hoping that uh, Bray Wyatt finally gets his, well, I mean, Bray Wyatt's been pushed to the moon so far, and hope he continues that push, and becomes a uh, problem for uh, for Daniel Bryan post-WrestleMania. I think a feud with them would be really good. But I, I like the segment. I thought it was fun. Hulk Hogan didn't flub his lines. Um, that's good. And uh, I'm looking forward to the 30-man uh, Andre the Giant uh, Memorial Battle Royal. So that's good. Uh, moving on. Um, there was a Stephanie and Triple H promo. We'll skip over that. Let's go to the next match, which was the Usos versus Rybaxel. Uh, and I felt it was a very throwaway match. Uh, Donnie, what would you think? Yeah, it was just forgettable. Um, even though the Usos are, are, you know, they're really good tag team champions, but it was a forgettable match. Yeah, Brian? Uh, I mean, it wasn't a complete throwaway, just because I think that, you know, they, they wanted to make those guys look strong, and, yeah, I mean, they did a good job, but I, I, I feel so bad for those two guys, because <laughs> like, they're, they're, they're starting to become jobbers to the stars as well, just yeah. tag, team, tag team style, but... It just, I'm curious, you know, with the outlaws there on commentary, is it just going to be those two guys with going for the belts at WrestleMania? I don't know yet. Yeah, I, I think that they would probably put the uh, the belts, uh, keep the belts on the Usos, and I'm hoping for four, four like, tag team, like, you know, tag team turmoil match or something like that. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but we'll see. They, they still have a few weeks to, to ruin it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Speaking of ruining it, uh, Big E versus Jack, uh, defeated Jack Swagger. Uh, after Jack Swagger was distracted by Cicero and uh, more tension uh, between the two of them. What would you think about it, Brian? 
to tell you the truth, like, like I said last week, I, this is it, it has to be building up towards a triple threat match at WrestleMania between those three guys because otherwise it just seems like you're just wasting time blowing off the real Americans for a later feud. Like it seems like they're building up for that and they're just putting Big E in there for the match itself. Again, I just didn't really care for it because we knew how it was going to end up. Yeah. Uh, Donnie, what'd you think? I mean, I thought Big E looks, I think he's one of those guys that keeps getting better and better every week. Uh, and, and I like the chemistry that he has in the match or he has in the ring with both Swagger and Cesaro. So, um, it, I don't think it was a bad match. Uh, it's just sort of just building up to the inevitable. Uh, yeah. And I think we're going to end up with a three-way dance um, at, at WrestleMania or sometime uh, with all three of those going at it. Yeah, I think that's probably the best option to showcase all three that would do with the three-way match. So I'm hoping that's what they do. We'll have to see. Uh, next up was a very lengthy Undertaker segment uh, interrupted by Paul Heyman. Um, I thought this was, was, was good, but it just seemed kind of pointless. Uh, what do you think about it, Donnie? It was a lot of talking. Um, well, more talking than I like in my Undertaker segment. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, it was, it was okay. I, I, you know, I know we're building towards Brock and Undertaker, and, and you know, they've, they've got to have screen time. I just wish there was more that they could do with the Undertaker in the meantime to build up for that match. Yeah, well, he's definitely uh, not going to wrestle at all. No, no, it's just, um, you know, even a stare down, it, it's hard with both guys working such limited schedules to get them in the same place at the same time. Yeah. But more face time with each other, I think, would go further than sort of using Paul Heyman as the middleman. Yeah. Well, what do you think about it, Brian? You know, I wish I knew the details about it, but you can't tell me it wouldn't cost that much extra to just give Lesnar a couple more dates because you save him for this time of year. This is when he should be on there every week. Um, but as far as the Undertaker is concerned, his promo was, I kept thinking, my 1995 again. <laughs> it, it just seemed like the same shtick, like, the whole time through. Like, we get it. He He's not worried about losing because he's the dead man, so he can't kill something that's already dead. So, I mean, it's just, without Lesnar there, I, I don't get a whole lot out of it. Yeah, well, I really think that Undertaker is really kind of pushing it in terms of how long he's been going out there and, and defending this streak year after year. You know, he really should have ended it last year, just retired, just, you know, give it up. Um, but if he wants to go down into Blizz glory, then, you know, might as well do it with uh, Brock Lesnar. Yeah, and I don't mind the streak going further. It's just they need to have a fresh approach to it, and it seems like this year is just not, eh, it's just yeah. not, it doesn't seem new. Do you guys well, remember when they started doing, like, the, like started mentioning the streak? Like, it, like, they finally realized that, hey, he's never been beaten at WrestleMania. we got to make a big deal out of this. I think that was right at WrestleMania 19 or 20, one of the two. Yeah, that seems about right. But, uh, do you know, okay, if you go back and look at his older stuff, do you know why like his older feuds were good? Because they didn't mention the streak. When it's all about the streak, it yeah. gets redundant. Right. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Uh, I thought we had the best match of the evening, which was the Shields versus Rhodes Brothers. Um, Shield being uh, Rollins and uh, Reigns, um, defeating them. Uh, in a tag team match, I thought that this whole this whole match was great. The Shield finally got a victory after losing for time after time. Uh, what do you think about it, Brian? I actually I completely agree. I, I like I like the match. I like what it did for them. And if you saw before that, they had that little uh, segment with Kane, and like he was trying to give them a chance to redeem themselves or basically put them out the pasture. And they showed that they they could do a good job. But if you the thing that got me the most is on commentary how JBL just kept like you know, 
just rioting Ambrose about not defending the U.S. title. I was like, come on, man. But overall, the match itself, I liked it. Good. Donnie? Oh, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Great tag match, and it just cements my belief that Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes are the, the man uh, individually. Um, but, yeah, they, they, it's awesome. All, all the way around, that was a solid match. I, I like what they're doing with the Wyatts, where it's like a will they or won't they. Um, you mean the Shield? Uh, the Shields, I'm sorry. Yeah. You got <laughs> your three-man t- heel teams mixed up there, boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Shield. Yeah. I mean, will they or won't they? You know, are they going to break up? You know, does Does the WWE even know at this point what they're going to do with them? Um, I, I do think they do. And, and, you know, I think we're headed towards a, a big, you know, a big split. Uh, and I'm just waiting for them to pull that trigger because I'm hoping it's before WrestleMania. Um, I don't know that it will be, though. As closer we get and the more they're kind of, getting back together, breaking up, getting back together. I'm wondering if the split won't happen at WrestleMania as opposed to right before and then having a match at WrestleMania. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, they really are kind of confusing me, too, in terms of whether they're going to break them up. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, but, yeah, I'll give them a match. Like, that, was a, that was an awesome, awesome five-star match for, for free TV, so pretty good. Uh, for the purposes of uh, time constraints, we're skipping the Divas tag match. Yep. Uh, moving on to, I thought one is one of the best segments they have done in uh, goodness, about the entire year, uh, the Daniel Bryan Occupy uh, Raw segment. Um, I thought this thing was top to bottom, awesome, um, and had the crowd in it the entire time. What do you think about it, Donnie? Um, on my notes here, I'm I'm marked down. This was Daniel Bryan's milk truck moment. <laughs> um, you know, when you think back to to great raw moments, you know, I, I think back to Kurt Angle with the milk truck. I just thought it was awesome and hilarious and more memorable than the beer truck, yeah. uh, for me at least. And, and I thought this was Daniel Bryan's moment like that. When they look back on the best of Raw 2014, this is going to be on the cover of that. This was Definitely. awesome. Uh, and and I just I thought Stephanie McMahon did an amazing job on the mic. I thought Triple H did an amazing job. Oh, they were great. Uh, I mean, it, it it sold it, and it sold it hardcore, and I was popping all. I mean, just, it was awesome. Did they make uh, up for Damien Sandow finally showing up in a while? <laughs> yeah, that was kind of like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> Damien Sandow, but, who are you? But it occurred to me when Daniel Bryan was in the ring, is it time for maybe a stable? And with Ziggler and The Miz having their little things about, you know, you know, over the past few weeks, they've always talked about how they're being held down and all that. You know, are they gonna? Is there gonna be a stable called the Yes Movement, which I thought would be pretty cool. I think it'd be um, cool too, but I don't think it'll work with those guys. To tell you the truth, I don't think so. I think they're just gonna go straight forward. Daniel Bryan, Triple H, WrestleMania, and at this point, I am I'm all in. That was a great segment, and it pulled me in. Yeah, it definitely gave me everything that I wanted, and for WrestleMania, which was Daniel Bryan versus Triple H, and then be able to go into the main event, so that way it's not like two terrible heels fighting each other, which would just kill the crowd. Well, uh, it does concern me a little bit that they're telegraphing it. Like, it's like, okay, you know, it, was this the right time to, to give Daniel Bryan that uh, that option of, you know, the, of that contingency of the match? Um, you know, I do have three words for you. Uh, yes, yes, and also yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, Brian, let me get you get in here. What do you think, man? They, they had to give him something. I mean, otherwise, I, I mean, with Triple H, like, now... I mean, before, I could have gone without the the main event, you know, tie-in, because that way you're like, will he or won't he? But the fact that you know if he wins, he's going to get in the main event, That that's just a pretty much a foregone conclusion to me. But to tell you the truth, like, that segment itself is the best thing I've seen in years. And, and as much as I, I try to, like, 
you know, not get emotionally invested into something. I literally jumped out of my seat when I saw it. Like, it was that good. I, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Um, did anybody read uh, Mick Foley's um, post he put on Facebook today? No, what do you say? Um, well, he had a good line about the greatest character that uh, WWE has created in the last year has been the fans. Which I thought was just, you know, that that is pretty amazing. That the fans. That's pretty are, deep, yeah. Yeah, like we're we're so much more part of the show before now, be, you know, than ever before. So it's like every single arena has turned into ECW arena, with <laughs> being <laughs> vocal and into the matches and everything. So, uh, anyway, so next up we had uh, Sheamus defeating Christian again, uh, but it, not not done complaining. Uh, in a Memphis street fight, which apparently streets are littered with musical instruments. Uh, Brian, what did you think about the match? I really wanted Christian to win that match so bad. And you could tell when the drum came in the ring and Christian looked at it for, for a couple seconds, I'm like, he knows he's going to get kicked in the face. He's just hesitating about it. And then, there he goes. It happens. Like Unless it's building towards their like a match at WrestleMania with who knows what stipulation it is on the line, I'm kind of tired of seeing you know Christian being jobbed out to Sheamus. And for my own opinion... I just don't like Sheamus as a good guy. He was a way better heel. I'm just I I don't have any interest in him whatsoever right now. Yeah, yeah, he's he's kind of vanilla. Um, what do you think, uh, Donnie? Uh, I actually I really liked the match. Um, I thought it was interesting that it was like a two out of three falls match, uh, some other option, and then a Memphis street fight. Like they want you know what if they called it a Memphis two out of three falls match you know just to kind of like label that city to get that hometown pop you kind of knew what direction they were going Memphis cage match mm-hmm exactly now one thing I noticed about Sheamus throughout this whole match is he seems to really enjoy himself when he's in the ring and I, and not every you can't say that about every wrestler he just seemed like he was dialed in having a lot of fun and Christian pretty, too yeah I think both of them are, are pretty pretty good guys uh, especially yeah. Christian I'm gonna mark out for Christian but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he definitely has fun doing it, um, which, yeah, this isn't, I would love to be a wrestler if I could, and uh, I would love to have a, you know, that kind of job where you don't really you know, feel like you're working, even though you are working. Anyway, moving on. Uh, last match of the night was uh, Big Show and Daniel Bryan defeating Batista and Orton. Uh, what did you think of that uh, match there, Donnie? Um, I, <laughs> it's Beardy Locks and the Three Boys. Um yeah, no, I, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I I thought Brian did really well. Uh, and believe it or not, I thought Orton did a really good job. Uh, you know, and maybe the big show and Batista just made Orton look good um, by standing next to him. Uh, but uh, I, I thought Orton did well. I'm wondering why the big show was put in here. Uh, it didn't really make a lot of sense that he was just like, oh, in the big show. Uh, I'm wondering if they're going to start building him towards that Andre trophy so they want to get him in the consciousness of people. That's a good point. I think they just want to use him. Um, and in terms of like somebody available to do like tag teams with Brian, you know, why not mm-hmm. uh, the Big Show? Because he's really not doing anything. And he does have beef with both his, well, at least with Orton. So, I did notice that Batista, when he grabs the ropes and starts stomping, he's stomping the crowd into silence. They get quieter <laughs> with every stomp. So I just thought that was he's kind of funny. Killing our music. enthusiasm. <laughs> exactly. Wow. Good match though. Good, good match. Good match overall. Clean win for uh, for Team um, Giant Brian. Uh, what'd you think, Brian? I, I mean, to be fair, I, I really didn't see, uh, Big Show's the most logical option to me, because if you guys remember, he was using the whole yes movement to, to get his job back and get that title match yeah. last year against Orton, so just throwing him back into the ring with Daniel Bryan seemed like the most logical thing, but I, I gotta tell you, 
this this whole thing is just absolutely killing me with, with, with Orton. Like, I, I, for anybody that complains or thinks that Dan O'Brien isn't appreciated or isn't the focus, you should just think about Randy Orton for a second. The fact that he's the champ, he's got a match with Batista, and yet no one cares, and they're not hyping that match up one bit at all. Yeah. Like, you, you would forget, watching throughout Raw, that Orton's the champ, because where is he? You only see him towards the end of the show with the token Brad Maddox appearance, you know. But, like, as far as, like, you know, the match itself, like, it's just to get Dan O'Brien over and show that, like, hey, I can beat these guys, so if I get into the main event, you know, I'm going to win. Yeah, they really do need to bring out Orton more and, and make the feud more, well, I mean, Batista versus Orton, I don't know what they're even doing with that. I, I think that the whole or, uh, Batista um, coming back has just bombed totally on them, and the fact that they had to call audibles left and right just to appease the, cl- the crowds. Um, or maybe not. Maybe they're actually making Batista to be the bigger uh, heel out of the two of them, and I don't know. I, I think it was uh, it's, it's kind of a crazy, um, stupid... Oh, one other thing, as far as what Donnie said, as far as what the big show is concerned, yeah, you would think they'd be gearing him towards the Andre the Giant trophy because isn't he Andre's son? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> this is not WCW, buddy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, but he was trained by Bruce Lee, so there we go. Yes. Ooh, yeah. Anyway, so that concludes uh, our, our uh, recap of Raw. Uh, I'd say it was a, not, not to be like a pun or anything like that, I think it was a B-plus show. Um, I, I think it had enough. I mean, especially the Daniel Bryan segment was great, but overall, I think there's a lot of just mediocre stuff around it too. Um, it just kind of they're moving the the pace along to get to WrestleMania. Uh, what do you think, Brian? Uh, again, I, I I agree with you. I there wasn't as many down spots as I would have thought. So to tell you the truth, you know, I liked it. So yeah, B plus for me. Donnie, uh, I really thought it was. It, I'm gonna give it the A minus. I thought it was, I mean, we had a great, a great raw moment with with the Yes movement, yeah. and we had a couple of really good tag team matches. A great match with Sheamus and Christian. Um, you know, the Divas match and everything kind of was blah, but then they announced the Andre Trophy. I was digging it. I give it an A minus. All right. Well, that that pretty much I guess we're all kind of agreeing how uh, Raw stands uh, for the most part. Uh, we move on <coughs> to our review of WrestleMania 7, which is uh, Brian's choice for our review. Uh, Brian, take it away. You know, I, I was looking through ones, like I said, we're, we're doing 1 through 10, and I mean, you could have gone with the, the obvious ones like WrestleMania 3 or even you know WrestleMania 6 with uh, Hogan and Warrior, but 7 stood out for a lot of reasons. And let's not forget for the fact that they originally announced it for the L.A. Sports Coliseum, but yep. they had to move it to the sports arena. Now, they said, we don't, I don't know for sure if this is because of low ticket sales. They said it was because of the whole slaughter gimmick and that there was, like, bomb threats on slaughter and the whole WWF. But by that point, I thought the character was pretty much dead, so that point was mute to me. But as far as the pay-per-view goes, like, top to bottom, loved every bit of it. So we'll just get into it with, you know, does anybody care to talk about Willie Nelson singing America the Beautiful? I thought he was a perfect choice to sing America the Beautiful, and I thought it was a beautiful rendition by Willie Nelson. Um, he looks the same as he does now, so. America is beautiful. Willie is beautiful. WrestleMania is beautiful. <laughs> Could not have said any better myself. Wow. All I right. have thought of that. <laughs> but moving on, so before we get to the first match, you know, Gorilla Monsoon's out there. Out comes Hacksaw Jim Duggan. You know, it's a good ho. 
So get out there, gives us a little shtick, and then we go into the first match, which is the Rockers, mullets and everything, taking on Haku and the Barbarian, of course, with Bobby Heenan. The future powers so, of pain? Were they? No, no, they were... Um, Dungeon of Doom. Dungeon of Doom, right. Uh, powers of pain is somebody else I'm thinking of. Uh, Ming and the Barbarian. Yep. Right. Uh, so, Donnie, what did you think of the match? Uh, I... It, um, I thought the Rockers were great. Uh, and the Barbarian and Haku, they, they, met, they meshed good. Their styles meshed really well. Um, I thought Marty Jannetty played a really good face in peril to Shawn Michaels' hero of the day. Uh, and it just it makes me appreciate the Rockers for what they were. Uh, really the best tag team to never hold the, the tag team championship. Uh, and they were crazy over with the crowd. That crowd was going nuts for the Rockers. Uh, Barbarian and Haku were there to, to to support that and make them look really good, and for the most part, they really did. I, I liked the match. It was a good a good way to start WrestleMania. Sounds good, Jim. Um, I I love the match. I you know I always mark out for the Rockers. Um, I think they did a great job being the the smaller uh, tag team against the most monstrous members of the Heaton family, the Barbarian and Haku. Definitely, as I go back and watch it, very underrated performers. Um, I think they gave him excellent time to do that, and uh, sadly, this was the last Rockers WrestleMania uh, as they were to break up. I believe later that year. Yeah, absolutely. That's what it led. It led towards was the eventual barbershop moment. But uh, just a quick comment: like, do you guys think that this is like your good, like you know, not stereotypical, but prototypical leadoff match, like the match that like set the tone for the evening? Oh, usually, yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right, good, good deal. Uh, one of the things that, I, that stood out to me real quick was, like, the double-team moves in the match, because that's one of the things the Rockers were known for, is, like, like their little double kip-ups or whatever you call them and doing sweet chin music together at the same time. And then I think Barbarian did, like, a double clothesline on both of them at the same time. Like, they, they did very well together in the ring. Moving on, of course, the Rockers won the match. Um, go on to Mean Gene in the back with Alex Trebek, Regis, and Marla Maples, who just look like a stick to me, to be honest. A, a stick in the dress. Wasn't she only famous because she was Donald Trump's Trump's uh, mistress? Is that uh, her claim to fame? Pretty much. That, that is correct. Wow. Um, it's 1991 in a, in a nutshell there. Indeed. Jim, it's any amazing. comments on having celebrities? I'm um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Donnie. Oh, I was going to say, it's amazing the quality of celebrity that they get now versus what they could get back then. And, uh, I mean, it's that was like C-list. I mean, Regis is Regis and Marla Maples and I mean Alex Trebek. I, all right, but uh, I just thought it was kind of it was almost funny uh, in retrospect, like from from a real retro standpoint, just to to laugh at those guys. Be like, oh my gosh, that yeah. WrestleMania with those guys. Well, I think Regis and, and um, uh, definitely Alex Trebek were household names by that point too. I mean, at least I know who those guys were, and I was like ten years old. Um, so I think those guys were fine um, as as uh, celebrity. Um, Yes, except for like you know uh, later Regis's commentary on the main event, which God, that's painful. Um, but they were into it. Uh, even Marla didn't seem to be too lost when she was doing that. So yeah. Yeah, and we'll get more into what they do later with uh, with all the interviews they have to do. But um, moving from that, we have the Texas Tornado versus Dino Bravo, and wow, um, that was a very short, <laughs> sweet, sweet match, and. <laughs> For, for myself, Carrie Vaughn and Eric, you know, it's a shame what happened to their family, but as far as finishing moves are concerned, any any finish move he had, which, what was it, the Texas Tornado Punch or the Claw, you couldn't make me believe that you could tap somebody out from that. That whole thing was just hokey to begin with. 
Uh, James, what you think? Um, I thought the match was very quick. Um, uh, I think this is the last match for both those guys, Two Dear Brother and uh, Texas Tornado. I'm getting kind of grim on my commentary here, um, but I, I thought it for for a quick match, it was it was okay, but um, it, it felt very rushed. And uh, Dino Bravo, um, you know, definitely looked kind of uh, like he's done. He, he's just done with it. Donnie? Yeah, I. Uh... Dino Bravo's finishing move being the side suplex just kind of took me back to the days of, you know, wrestling, having very basic moves for finishers. Um, I, the match was really, really fast, and, and it was sort of like, it, it ended so quick. It was like, oh, and there's the tornado punch, and it's over. Yeah, it's so, yeah, uh, it was it, it was what it was. It, it was forgettable and a good way to move the Rockers onto the British Bulldog matchup filler. Yeah, and w- one of the things to keep in mind, I don't know if you guys are keeping tabs on this, but how many times the managers came out, especially for Jimmy Hart, because he had an outfit for every guy that he met. He came out that <laughs> That's like, and he had his little Dino Bravo outfit, which looked ridiculous, but then again, they all looked ridiculous. Yeah, it's wrestling, yeah. man. It's, it's, it's that whole point. R.I.P. to both of these guys, though. Yeah, yeah very sad. And so we go from that to the British Bulldog with his own Bulldog. I don't even know the name of the name. Winston! Thank you, thank you. Point for Jim there. Versus the the warlord with his jive soul bro, the manager slick. Oh, Davy boy, such a bad interview. But um, Donnie, what you think? I love the British Bulldog, and the warlord was always pretty cool to me. Uh, but eight minutes and fifteen seconds of the warlord was a lot of time. Um, I. I really, you know, like, I will always pop for the British Bulldog, and I did back, you know, I did last night when I was watching this. I I just, I love the guy. So it was great to see him get a victory, and I think he looks strong. The Warlord was kind of weird to me. Like, he wasn't a bad wrestler, but he wasn't a very good one either. His, his moveset was very, very basic. Uh, and I just, you know, this was a good match to showcase Bulldog as, you know, the comeback kid having a huge victory. And uh, I, I liked it. In an otherwise like patriotic USA all-night uh, sort of WrestleMania, it was nice to see the British Bulldog kind of you know rep, uh, rep Britain. Exactly. And another thing to keep in mind is if you pay attention to the interview, I, one thing I got out of it was Warlord. Was like, he had like a fan on the opera type mask going on. <laughs> and, and like that little goofy stick with a W on the top. Like, uh, they could have done without that. But, Jim, your thoughts on the match? Uh, I thought it was the Battle of the Back Knee. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was I thought it was pretty good actually I liked them because they're both big kind of powerful guys um, the warlord being uh, slightly bigger and he'd probably carry the bulk a bit better um, and I think I, I think I remember it like, being like billed as like a power slam versus power slam match or something like that because they're both big dudes yeah it was the power slam versus the full Nelson uh, versus the full Nelson that's what it was and both of them had their their, their moves uh, used and. I thought for what it was, it was a pretty pretty fun match. So, a little long, but okay. So there you go. You have the Power Slam versus the Full Nelson, and of course, and you know, old WWE style, Power Slam, the good guy wins. So, three matches down, three good guys win. And then next, you have the Nasty Boys beating the Heart Foundation in the Heart Foundation's hurrah at the time and becoming the new WWF Tag Team Champions. Jim, which thing? Um, I love the Hart Foundation. Um, I think those guys are probably, like, besides the Rockers, they're probably my favorite tag team of all time. I'll mark out for them completely. Um, I thought for this match was pretty good. I think they had some pretty decent chemistry. 
the Nasty Boys, um, they had some, yeah, very basic moveset for Brawlers, Hard Foundation, they were tag team, um, like, technicians. Um, so definitely different styles. Overall, I thought they worked out pretty well in terms of how they, they presented the match. Uh, and the ending was, was kind of a shocker, um, but, you know, I guess you had to move the belts off the Hard Foundation so they can, you know, break up. So I thought it was pretty good, actually. I liked it. Agreed. I like that. Uh, Donnie, what did you think? Yeah, this was the last uh, WrestleMania for the Rockers and the Hart Foundation. It was kind of uh, strange to see that. Uh, but yeah, I, this match was was one of I think my top three matches of the night. I I really liked it, and I thought that Brett especially really made the Nasty Boys look good given their limitations. This is probably my favorite Nasty Boys match of all time. Uh, and dog uh, match. you got to watch the dog collar match with uh, <laughs> that the, the, the app. You can totally the network. You can do it, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I like the 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 right team went over because it was time to split up the Heart Foundation and uh, good for the Nasty Boys. I I actually had forgot they were actually ever the champions. Um, so good for them. I I didn't I didn't remember that. Uh, don't blame me for forgetting that because they kept the belts until SummerSlam and then they got you know steamhoused by the Legion of Doom. So they didn't have it for too terribly long. But and another thing. You want a good Nasty Boys match? They had a match in '93 on WCW against uh, Cactus Jack and Max Payne, like a street fight. So good. It's definitely yeah. worth looking up. But um, okay. And then again, another Jimmy Hart appearance. Uh, we go from that to, I think this was a wrestle crap worthy, and by that I mean it literally was in the book. Um, the blindfold match of Rick Martel versus uh, Jake the Snake. Of course, Jake winning by. Feeling around for like five or six minutes, and then oh hey DDT, Donnie, what you think? Um, I know that Russell Crap hates it, and I know that it's looked at back as a joke. But if you watch the match just based on the crowd, if there was no crowd, the match would have been awful. But that crowd made that match, and uh, I actually found myself laughing and 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 being into it. I thought it was I thought it was pretty creative. Uh, it's a good thing they only did it once because it's sort of a one trick pony. Uh, but given the situation, the psychology that Rick, uh, that, that uh, Rick Martell and Jake Roberts both used. Uh, now you have to understand that, that Rick Martell and Jake Roberts are also like, I mean, they're they're top ten guys. I love both of them, uh, and uh, it was um, I I liked the match. I, I believe it or not, it was it kept me entertained the entire time. I'm glad that didn't become a regular thing, but as a one-off, awesome. Agree. Uh- Jim, what's that? Um, considering those guys have been feuding for a better part of almost a year at this point, uh, this is a I, I you know Russell Crap or not, I thought this is a great feud ender for them because they had them blindfolded and um, the crowd was super into it. Granted, the match itself was kind of boring because it was just them fumbling around the ring a bit, um, and there wasn't actually like that much wrestling or even contact for the most part. But I think the tension was, you know, whether or not they would actually, like, you know, find each other and actually, like, do moves on each other. So, um, you know, ultimately, I liked it. I, I think it was a good match. It, I mean, give credit to the guys for making something that looks and sounds ridiculous work. And, I mean, it had to go down that route because of the whole, you know, Martel spraying his arrogance, you know, cologne into Jake's eyes a while back. So it made sense going into the whole blindfold I love the context that uh, uh, Jake Snow Roberts was wearing with the uh, like one being all like opaque and the other one being all like bloodshot and everything like that. That was kind of cool. I'm pretty sure they could see no problem. Oh, I'm sure uh, you sure too. But you know, yeah. it's wrestling. I mean, pretty oh, sure yeah. they're not really hurting each other either. 
<laughs> I just I, I thought I'd throw that in there because it, that wasn't a real blindfold. I'm naive, but yes. Moving moving along to a match that Gorilla Monsoon gave this guy the nickname for the Undertaker got it. Match of the Phenoms, Jimmy Snuka versus the Undertaker in his WrestleMania debut. Jim, what'd you think? Um, I thought this match was really short. Jimmy Snuka had no offense. Undertaker just did his standard Undertaker at that point bit. Um, and so begins the streak with Undertaker defeating Jimmy Snuka um, in 4 minutes and 20 seconds. So I thought, yeah, it was a very filler match. Donnie? Um, that barely even looked like Superfly Jimmy Snuka. Uh, at that stage of his career, he was roided out of his mind. He was just way bigger than he ever... His whole body style changed. Uh, and he wasn't exactly super fly anymore because when you're that shape, you don't really fly. Um, so I like the fact that they just let Undertaker go over strong because Snooker was already way past his prime. Uh, like I said, it, he was barely recognizable. And, uh, you know, the legend begins. Maybe it's just me, but, like, I, I couldn't look at Undertaker thinking, holy crap, he has... Like, his red hair was just... Just beaming. It was ridiculous. Yeah, um, freaking Sheamus at that point. Yeah, and it, to the point about being uh, Superfly being roided up, I, I didn't even think about it at first, but when you look at him, it made sense, especially when he tried to do that jump off the top rope and end up going to a botched uh, tombstone attempt. Mm. Probably because he was, you know, too top heavy. But so Undertaker wins, and one and zero. We'll see where that goes. <laughs> um, after that. We're into the middle of the card, and we have the Ultimate Warrior beating Randy Savage in a retirement match that had Sensational Sherry interfering. You had the whole segment with Elizabeth at the end, you know, and I'm excluding myself from this because, spoiler alert, it's in my top five. So <laughs> just for time time uh, constraints, uh, we'll just go with you two. Uh, Donnie, what do you think? I thought this match was beautiful. Uh, it was just, it, it was like poetry, the, the, uh, even the ultimate warrior coming down to the ring without running. Uh, now, I personally think that's because Randy Savage demanded he not be blown up by the time they <laughs> lock arms. Uh, but just, it, it felt serious. And, and even though I knew the result, I knew what happened, it, it just took me into that moment. And the whole love story of, you know, Elizabeth. Now, I wish they hadn't appointed Elizabeth out before the match. If they had have saved that until the very end, I think the payoff would have been way more. Uh, but it was just really a really nice moment and, and one of the heartfelt moments in wrestling. And there's not a lot of those. Uh, but the love story of Randy Savage and Elizabeth at that time uh, is, is something that, that is just really special to me, and I, I really enjoyed the match because of it. Jim? Um, yeah, this match... You know, this really kind of feels like the first time they did like like a really featured match in the middle of the card with two guys and it's not a gimmick match, but they're fighting for something as important as their own freaking careers. Yeah, I forgot how, how um, vicious and uh, emotional this match was. Really, I mean, the part that really got me was when Savage goes up and does uh, his uh, off the top rope elbow drop, not once, not twice, not thrice, but five times. Um, that you know, I don't think I've ever seen something like that before. They do his finishing move five times just to put the guy out, and then Ultimate Warrior does his finishing move on uh, the back body slash on, on Savage, and he can't pin him. And he's just like looking up the sky and wonder why the gods have failed him. And oh my goodness, this whole match was just insane. Um, they really wrestled like their careers were on the line. And um, wow, and, and afterwards with um, 
Sherry coming out and just beating the crap out of Savage, and then Elizabeth running in and saving him, and uh, it was just like, like holy crap! Like, can this get any more emotional? That was really storytelling in that match. A plus, five stars, great match. Another one of the things that got me is like, you know, retirements in wrestling are like characters, like comic book characters dying. It never lasts. And I, to me, I don't know. This is opposed to both of you. Do you guys think that? Stavage would have stayed retired if Warrior hadn't held up Vince at SummerSlam. Hmm. Uh, no, no. So sort of. I, I think you'd just give him a break, and then he was going to come back eventually. Hmm. Especially yeah. turning face like that. I think his body was broken down because I mean he had pretty much gone nonstop since like WrestleMania two or three at that point, and and he was kind of like the workhorse of the company. So it was nice to have him for a break, but I think that eventually they would have brought him out of retirement for some sort of feud, whether or not the Warrior yeah. uh, had been there or not. And his commentary skills were just terrible. I yeah. don't know. The Macho Toga at WrestleMania 9? <laughs> Come on now. You know, to tell you the truth, while this whole thing is being talked about, I keep playing in my head where he said, Elizabeth. Like, he's like about to like ask her to marry him in the middle of the ring. Like, oh. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> Good. Anyway. Sweet. He's a sweet guy, but horrible. Horrible mic skills. I loved that. Anyway, so we move on from there to the backstage interviews, which, to me, I thought those things were fantastic. You know, because you had Regis talking to, I mean, not talk, he's talking to Undertaker and Paul Bear, and they're trying to get the measurements on them, you know, for the casket, and then Demolition, and then Alex Trebek with, um, with Jake Roberts and, like, Reptiles of the World or something like that. Like, it was hilarious. Uh, Donnie, any thoughts on the celebrity interviews? Well, I know I bashed the celebrities earlier, you know, as being kind of low-level, but I really actually liked the way that they incorporated them into the show. Um, I had forgot about these segments myself, uh, you know, and, and kind of watching them. It's, they're, they're pretty good. I mean, you know, they're, it's a really good way to use celebrities instead of just showing them in the crowd waving or, you know, announcing that they're there. So I, I liked it. It was good. Um, I like the celebrity interviews. I like the interactions with uh, the superstars of the WWF at the time. Um, and, and now looking at back at them, like, yeah, it's kind of dated, but that's half the fun, pretty much. Yeah. Did anyone else, like, I, I don't say I was offended, but, like, you know, we had Tenru and Katal there with Regis, and he's like, Isuzu! And, like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, this guy's clearly speaking English. But, well, I mean, they're, they're, yeah. it was kind of racist back in the day, too, so. This is very, very true. I'm sure Samba Simba was around somewhere. Um, <laughs> yeah, different reference on that one. Anyways, we're, we go from that to Tenru and Katao taking on Demolition, which was, uh, which was what, As Smash and uh, Creation 1 of Crush of many, many characters that he flopped oh, at. Um, Jim, what did you think uh, of that? I, I think it was just kind of crazy they were bringing these two guys from japan i don't think they ever use them again and they they beat demolition and I, you know i wish that they, they actually kept them around because i think their styles what style was really groundbreaking at the time it was more of a japanese uh, very high energy kind of stuff well not super high energy but they did a lot of power moves that i thought were pretty good but overall i thought it was just okay donnie yeah i this was I didn't like the fact that the that the guys that were non WWF guys uh, went over. Like I thought that was kind of awkward, um, but you know it, it was four minutes. It was quick and uh, relatively painless. I just I wasn't a fan of the match to be honest with you. See, I was initially upset at like what you guys were saying, but 
when you look at it, then they gave Crush that god awful Hawaiian gimmick, and then they then they made Smash Repo Man, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yes. So, and then they had this two feud with SummerSlam the next year, which is hilarious in itself. But oh, yeah, to me, that. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm sure everyone else did. <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me there. Uh, but to tell you the truth, you know, it's just one of those matches. I guess they're just trying to, you know. So it spells the end of Demolition, yeah. so that's all it was for that. And that's Demolition era, WrestleMania 2. This is really depressing me. Yeah, this, was uh, a, this was the end of an era. Yeah, this is totally it's terrible. Just, okay, moving on, moving on. Come on, man. I, I thought WrestleMania 8 was the end, but anyways, uh, but you're right. Anyway, so we're going to what I thought was a well-crafted feud and turn into a just a eh match, which was Boss Man winning by count-out. I'm not count up, but DQ over Mr. Perfect with the Intercontinental title on the line. You know, they had the interference, you know, from the Heenan family. Andre the Giant made an appearance. Jim, what'd you think? Um, I thought the same as you. I think that the match itself was, um, for, for two guys, which are pretty much staple characters of this time, they only did an okay job. Uh, I thought the feud was great because, the, you know, Big Boss Man went through every single member of the Heenan family up until uh, Mr. Perfect to get the uh, the IC title, and um, yeah, I think especially with everybody, in the, you know, the DQ win, it just didn't feel that good. Donnie, um, boy, Andre was on his last legs here, wasn't he? Um, it was. Uh, I you know the match was pretty good. I I thought it was pretty good, um, but I loved Mr. Perfect and Big Boss Man at the time. Um, I think I cared more about them than uh, most of the rest of the roster at the time. Just as a kid, I thought the boss man's gimmick was awesome, and Mr. Perfect, I loved to hate him. Uh, and it just felt bad that boss man came so close and he got robbed of that Intercontinental title. Yeah. Uh, I was into the match. Uh, I don't like the way it ended. Uh, I thought it should have ended clean. But uh, overall, it, I, it kept me watching for its ten-some-odd minutes. Um, I think Ray Trailer was, was really good in the ring for a big guy, and Mr. Perfect worked well off of that. They were capable of more, though. I will defer to uh, to uh, to Jim's analysis of that. It could have been better. You, you would think if it wasn't gonna, if it was not gonna be a clean finish, then it would have led towards like a later match. But they ended up putting Bossman with the the Mountie in that jailhouse match or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nails. That was, yeah. Oh, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. The aftermath yeah. was funny. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, overall, I thought, yeah, like I said, decent match, but could have been better. Yeah. Move on from that to. Earthquake, uh, just just smashing through Greg the Hammer Valentine in another Jimmy Hart outfit. Um, Donnie, what you think? This felt like the what was this the third, the fourth uh, match of the night that only went like I mean less than five minutes. It was it was over before it began, uh, and this was a squash. I know they were building Earthquake up big at the time, so they just used the dependable hand of Greg Valentine and and went right over it, and you know. I don't know that it should have been a WrestleMania match, uh, but it was uh, it was uh, less than five minutes, so I, I really can't bash it too much. It just didn't feel like a WrestleMania match. Jim, um, I felt like this match could be really trimmed out the card, and I would uh, I would not mind at all. I thought it was was kind of you know Undertaker uh, Undertaker the Earthquake versus uh, Valentine was just not even okay. It was just kind of crappy, so yeah, not not worth my time. I wish there was a way to go back and look at that time in, in the way that look up the build-up towards WrestleMania and see if they actually did anything with these guys, or if it's just like, hey, give these guys a match at WrestleMania, and, oh, look, here's Earthquake. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know if they had a build-up for these guys at all. 
that's what it feels like. It feels like they just like uh, threw him on the car just to kill time. So yeah, it was the modern day or the the equivalent at that time to a modern day divas match where it's just like okay, everybody go to the bathroom. You got a few minutes. We're gonna just put filler in the ring. I mean, granted, we look a little bit better with divas now, uh, but uh, that's how it felt. It was just like okay, everybody take a break. We just had a couple of really big matches, and uh, we'll see you in a bit. See now, if you if you went for a bathroom break, you would come back and notice. Wait. I, I didn't miss just one match. I missed two matches. <laughs> I was going there. Thank you. I, I, I missed the. You would have missed the LOD beating Power and Glory in less than a minute and a half. I want to say uh, less than a minute. Actually, it's clocked less in fifty nine seconds. Woo. Yeah, I mean a, a match that there was a few built up because Power and Glory cost LOD the title shot against the Heart Foundation, and they're like, we're going to get revenge in less than a minute. Uh, Donnie, what you think? They blew it with having a potential Legion Doom Heart Foundation WrestleMania match. That would have been amazing. Uh, but I thought it was almost comical how fast it was over, and they were pushing Legion of Doom to the moon at the time uh, for good reason, too. I mean, I love the Heart Foundation, but Legion of Doom is my favorite tag team of all time, and this was uh, this was just another big step on a big stage for them. Uh, and goodbye, Paul Roman Hercules. You never really did anything after Power and Glory. Forgetting the four horsemen with Paul Roma. I choose to forget about that. (laughs) (laughs) Jim, do you have any? Do you have anything that's worth commenting on longer than the match was? Um, Yeah, I think Donnie summed it up. It was too. It was very quick, crappy. uh, I really hate when they do really fast matches at WrestleMania. Um, They had a few going in, but didn't use it. So uh, it was again short match, not worth my time. And here's what they probably saved the time for. Ted DiBiase losing by count out to Virgil with Roddy Piper. Yeah. Very, very good build up, mind you, with the whole you know freeing him from his what indentured servant job, we'll call it that. <laughs> and and honestly, I feel bad for DiBiase because he was such a good wrestler, and they made him put over Virgil for no reason because he was not talented at all, not to me at least. Yeah. Jim, what'd you think? Um, I, I think yeah, Teddy Yasi is probably one of my top, you know, five heels of all time. Maybe you know, not the top ten easily. Um, I think the whole buildup was great because that, the buildup kind of lasted years. Ever since he debuted in 1988, he's been going at it. So it's been three years of abuse that uh, Virgil had to take. Unfortunately, Virgil or uh, whatever his name is in real life is is not a good wrestler, and he did the whole I'm gonna keep on punching and, and everything. I've got trained by Roddy Piper to punch and. Man, that was the wrestling itself was not good. If they, he had been a better wrestler, it would have been a much better match, unfortunately. Um, so, I, you know, I, I thought, you know, I give the storyline an A, but the wrestling a, like a D. Donnie, I think that assessment was perfect. Uh, years of build up for less than ten minutes of pretty crappy wrestling, um, and not at Ted DiBiase's fault. He can only carry a match so much, and and. Ted DiBiase can carry an awful lot, uh, but but Virgil was just not very good. And Piper was almost a distraction. I mean, I know they were trying to go with the trainer route, uh, but had they just gone Virgil, Ted DiBiase, uh, you know, and if Virgil was a better wrestler, I, I, I know that's why they put Roddy Piper. It had to have been. Uh, overall, it was a disappointing end to a great buildup. Man, another thing that wasn't brought up is that Sensational Sherry was unemployed for, what, 30 minutes as a manager? <laughs> like, oh, wait, I'm going to come out and put the boots to Piper. Bam, instantly I'm DiBiase's manager. I mean, yeah. there, there's like no explanation on that whatsoever, but it worked out for those two. Moving on to another squash poor guy, Tito Santana, 
losing to the Mountie by use of what was the little the stick he had, the, the little like tape, the cattle mm-hmm. prod, and again Jimmy Hart was out there with him. Um, Jim, what'd you think? Um, again, that match is like one minute twenty one seconds, so. It was quick. Um, it, you know, Tito Santana, he was practically over at this point. He came back as the Matador. Um, I really don't know if they're really trying to build up the mounting to be this kind of monster heel. He did win the IC title for one night um, later on. So I thought, yeah, again, another short filler match. My commentary is longer than the match itself. So just maybe okay at best. Understood. Donnie? Yeah, uh, I just, um, this was another useless match. What is this, like the fifth? Uh, match that lasted so so small. They had uh, let's see here. Uh, I think six matches that went less than five minutes in the entire card. There's 14 matches overall. I would have loved one match that was really good that lasted all that time instead of a bunch of little crappy matches thrown in. Uh, I think they had a, such a huge roster that they were just trying to get everybody in for the paycheck. Maybe that's what it was. Uh, but so we it was three man battle royal. Yeah, very, exactly. Very yeah, they should have done the Andre the Giant Cup. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> well, you know he's going to die in a couple of years, so here's a Memorial <laughs> Cup for you, Andre. Right. I'm, I'm but at, at least we've got that this year, rather than, you know, six matches that are really, really short. So I've got to respect our booking today versus the uh, yesteryear, because that was kind of a really weird choice. Indeed. And now we come to, well, I, I if we had a top five of least you know, good main events, this would be there. Um, Hogan and Slaughter sucking the wind in life, in my opinion, out of the arena for that match. Like, cause let's, let's be honest, I mean, Hogan was going to win no matter what, and for Slaughter, you know, people didn't care that he was the Iraqi sympathizer at that point. Even with, uh, what was it, General Adnan, was it the Sheik? Uh, yeah, being his, Sheik. Yeah, being his Iraqi sympathizer, you know, the Sheik was from Iran originally, his character was. Oh, oh, oh my bad. Um, but as far as, for me, the match itself just stunk the joint out, and even Hogan bleeding did nothing for me whatsoever. Donnie, what do you think? Oh, man. Sergeant Slaughter is the definition of the transitional champion. Um, and I really didn't like this match at all. Uh, I never thought Sergeant Slaughter was very good in the ring, uh, believe it or not. I have went back and looked at some of his older matches against Pat Patterson, and um, he's always limited. I, maybe it's because he's from that era, but uh, he just is hard to watch. This match, Hogan's not the type that can carry somebody like Sergeant Slaughter, and he couldn't hear. So it was a typical Hogan formulaic match, but it was... This match should have been one of the less than five minute ones, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just uh, I, it was a stinker of a match and, and kind of crappy way to end the evening. I almost wish they had have ended with Warrior Savage. Agreed, Jim. Oh, man, this the whole the whole storyline with Sergeant Slaughter becoming a Iraqi sympathizer was really exploiting you know what was going around going on with the, the Middle East at this time. Um, I, you know, in retrospect, I think it was probably the dumbest thing they could have done to exploit the Gulf War, because well, this man would do anything to exploit the Gulf War anyway. Um, and, you know, the heat died the moment that the Iraqis surrendered in the desert, and that was like two months before at this point. So, just, yeah, the whole match itself, there, Sergeant Slaughter is like 43 at this point, he's gassed, he can't do very much, there's a lot of rest holds. Uh, Hulk Hogan, you know, he's, you know, He's definitely not wrestling somebody who could carry him like an Ultimate Warrior or a Savage. 
Um, so he was looked, you know, boring. Um, and you know, at this point, yeah, I mean, it really just kind of killed the whole entire crowd. And they, I'm kind of surprised they kept this feud on for like till SummerSlam. I mean, come on. See, and just super quick for me with this whole thing, you, you look at it, and was considering how the crowd didn't care at that point. What they could have done, in my opinion, is that you, you should have kept the belt on Warrior, had him fight Hogan in a rematch, and then has like Hacksaw Jim Duggan fight Slaughter in some America Iraqi match, and it would have done the same thing. It was sunk to join out earlier, and you could have had Hogan Warrior do a whole different type of match. Hmm. But that's just for me. Uh, for myself, I give it about a C plus B minus for as far as an overall WrestleMania, and that's just because of Savage Warrior. The rest of the whole card, pretty much, with the exception of Nasty Boys Heart Foundation, could have I, I would have forgotten about it unless I watched it again. Yeah, Jim. Uh, I thought it had a very hot start with the Rockers. Uh, I love them versus um, the Barbarian and uh, Haku. I can't remember their name from WCW. They had a very distinctive name. I'll look it up later. Uh, were they the Faces of Fear? The faces of Fear. That's where they were with the Dungeon of Doom. Man, there's a lot of, a lot of name changes there. Uh, I think that was good. British Bulldog Warlord was good. Nasty Boys uh, versus Heart Foundation was good. Um, Jake Roberts and Rick Martel was pretty decent. Ultimate Warrior Randy Savage was just phenomenal. Highlight of the night. Uh, but the rest of it really stunk. A lot of quick matches. I go with yeah B minus at best. I think overall. Donnie. Yeah, it was. A, it, I give it a C plus. It was. There's a lot of could have bins in this thing. Um, you know, when you think about. Bossman and Perfect, when you think about Virgil versus Ted DiBiase, like, this could have been so awesome with so many huge feuds going on. And instead, we got a bunch of really quick matches, an amazing, amazing Warrior Savage match, and then a super disappointing, boring end. So, I just, I give it a C plus. There we go, and that, ladies and gentlemen, was WrestleMania 7. You know, it's sort of sandwiched between two other good ones, WrestleMania 6 and WrestleMania 8, but there's, there's your WrestleMania 7. Moving on to top five WrestleMania matches. Now, this is just for our own favorites because, obviously, there's, like, Steamboat Savage, and then you got, you know, Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels, just for instance, or Hart, you know, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, WrestleMania 25, that kind of deal. But it's just about your favorite matches and why you liked them. And I'll start with my number five. I had CM Punk and Chris Jericho from WrestleMania 28. Um... I mean, they brought Jericho back. I, I, there wasn't any real doubt that Punk was going to lose the belt. I, I knew he was going to win, but just like the, they, they gave those two guys a chance to like really put their skills to the test, and they showed it. Like I could watch that match over and over again. Like it's just that good. They put on a to me, they put on a wrestling clinic, and you know the whole backstory with Jericho talking all that mess about you know the issues that Punk's families have with alcoholism, and you know. Accusing him of being a bastard, like, this is kind of serious stuff that he was talking about. So, like, the feud itself was good, and I just love the match for myself. Um, thoughts, anyone, or do you want to jump to your number five, Donnie? Um, yeah, my number five uh, was um, Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker Part 2. Uh, it didn't quite capture the magic of the first one, um, but had the first one not been so good, this match would have been still hailed as a classic. Um, so much chemistry between those two, and I think a lot of it is a testament to how long their careers went and how um, 
how experienced they were with each other, how many times they had fought leading up to it. And uh, just the ending was, was great, um, you know, with this being, you know, HBK's swan song. Um, and I can think of nobody else that I'd rather have ended his career than something like this at that big of a stage in that sort of moment. So this is definitely my, my number five. It had to be in the list uh, because this match is just, it, it blows me away. It's not the greatest of their encounters, uh, but it's certainly close. Mm. Well, I kind of foreshadows what one of your other picks is going to be. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Jim, your number five? Uh, my number five was actually Shawn Michaels, uh, I think this is a theme here, versus Chris Jericho from WrestleMania 19. Um, that remember those guys tore the house down, and this is when Shawn Michaels had just come back that previous summer. Uh, seeing him versus Chris Jericho honestly was a dream match. These guys were at their peak, um, and just wrestled a, a beautiful, beautiful match. Um, I really can't say too much more about it than you know that it was probably like one of the best Shawn Michaels matches of all time. Indeed. I have never seen that match, believe it or not. Really. What? Why? Come I haven't now. seen your guys' matches either, so I need some. I need some catching up. I need to do on the WWE Network. The, yeah, the, yeah. That feud was was amazing, and then at the end, you know, they, they try to do the handshake, and Jericho just yeah. like kicks him, kicks him in the nuts. Like it's just like the perfect like <laughs> you know, screw you, Sean, right there at the end. Yeah, that was brilliant. That that was a really good match. My number four, probably a little surprise again, but it was Edge and Mick Foley from WrestleMania 22. Mm, um, mainly because. At the time, they had just started the whole rated R gimmick with Edge, and as much as I wanted him to have the belt going into WrestleMania, they had it set on Cena Triple H, so they needed a guy to help push Edge and his rated R gimmick over, and that was Mick Foley. And that match with like you know the thumbtacks, he had the barbed wire wrapped around them, like the barbed wire bat, Lita getting bloody, and of course the the table that was set on fire, and then he spears Mick Foley into the table, like that match was fantastic from, you know, beginning to end, and it did the job because McFoley got his WrestleMania moment, and Edge had that match that helped, you know, pro- you know propel him with his radar gimmick to multiple title reigns after that. So that, my number four. Donnie, your number four? Uh, I would say my number four is probably going to shock you because this match is kind of panned by a lot of people, but it's the uh, it's the Iron Man match of uh, Shawn Michaels and uh, whoa, what is that? Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, it was Shawn Michaels and uh, and Bret Hart in the Iron Man match. It went long, and I realize there's a lot of rest holds, but the drama in that match and the way it built up to be its final just just come together at the very end, the overtime, uh, I loved it. And uh, I think that that was, uh, that was definitely uh, one of my favorite uh, Shawn Michaels ones. He shows up a lot in my list. Uh, and uh, I think it's Brett's, uh, one of his best WrestleMania moments. Uh, it was just the best that two guys could offer, and the lead-up to it was wonderful. The final HBK going over and finally getting the belt, I just I, I love that match. Jim. Um, my number four was actually the, uh, the tables, uh, tables, ladders, and chairs match from WrestleMania 17. Are you there? Yep. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Okay? Are we having Are we having issues? Or... Uh, can you hear me? Okay, guys. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Yep. Donnie, can you hear us? Hello. Donnie. Hello. Hello. Hey, I'm having technical difficulties on my side. My whole computer just went nuts. Am I still here? Uh, we can hear you. Yeah, okay. I can hear you. Are my levels off? 
No, you're fine. You're sounding exactly the same. Oh, okay. Um, yes, it was the Iron Man match. How much did you hear what I said? Uh, we heard all of it, man. Yeah, we, yeah, we heard all of it. We heard um, all of it. Okay. Great. That, that, uh, that pause is brought to you by the WWE Network, which is crashing my PS3 at least three times today. Uh, Jim, your number four? Uh, my number four was the TLC match from uh, WrestleMania uh, 17. Um, I thought that uh, really there was nine performers in those matches, um, and everybody brought it. They used everything in that match, and uh, you know, by the end you were given such a great show. Um, I mean, really, all those guys, um, you know, not, not everybody, uh, most of them became from a superstar, but they weren't already, so hands off to everybody involved in the match. That does such a good choice. Like, I wanted to put that on there, and by all rights, when you hear my list, you're like, well, you probably could pick one or two out to put it in that place. Well, but When you have five, it's kind of hard to choose, so. That's such a good match, though. All right, number three, for me, uh... I felt like I would feel bad if I didn't have an Undertaker match on there, and my favorite streak match of his was his match with Ric Flair at WrestleMania 18. Just for the fact that it was the last match that no one said a word about the streak. It was actually a really good build-up to where Flair was saying no to fighting Undertaker, yet he interfered with this match with The Rock and No Way Out. Flair went and beat up Arn Anderson, blooded up David Flair. Like, it, the whole feud, and then the match itself, like, Undertaker was whooping his ass, and then Flair kept coming back with, like, you know, the low blow, figure fours. Arn Anderson coming into a spine buster. Like, the crowd popped huge for that. Like, that match itself, well, again, not one of, like, the highlighted matches of even WrestleMania 18. That was my favorite match of the night by far. I love that match. Uh, Donnie, your number three. My number three is Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. Uh, WrestleMania 6. And I know these guys had a terrible match at Halloween Havoc. Oh, uh, God, don't remind me of that. I know. Right? Uh, however, uh, this match, as uh, as a kid, when I when it was out, this it was larger than life. It was To me, it was bigger than, than Hogan-Andre. Uh, and maybe it was because I was a little bit older than I was when, when Hogan-Andre happened. Um, but every single punch and kick in this match, and let's all be honest, that's mostly what it was, um, I, I felt at the time. And looking back at it, it's not the greatest technical match, but I still really enjoy it. And, and when when finally they they Warrior goes over and then they hug at the end, I just this this match has a lot of sentimental value for me because this is one of those matches that hooked me into wrestling forever. And uh, I just I really, really love this match. It's two guys that are limited in the ring, but when you put them together, they work their butts off to create a as good a match as they could have put on in a really big one in, in WrestleMania history. Definitely. And to, to, to another point, it goes to give those guys credit, and by guys I mean just Savage and Hogan, because without those guys being as good as they were at the time, Warrior would not have looked as good as he did. So kudos to those guys yeah, for yeah. sure. Jim, your number three? Well, speaking of Randy Savage, my number three was uh, Macho Man versus uh, Ricky Steamboat uh, for WrestleMania three. Um, if you look at like wrestling at that time, like they were doing things that were like light years ahead of anybody else. I mean, they're... They're not like small guys, but yeah, they can do a lot of technical moves, a lot of high flying moves. Uh, just you know, freaking chain wrestling at that time when chain wrestling didn't didn't happen. Um, I mean, it was just amazing match. Those guys really worked their butts off for it. Did a great show. Macho Man the next year wins the belt. Steamboat's nowhere to be found. It's a disgrace. Agreed. Uh, it's it's one of those five star matches that everyone still talks about today. Yeah, so considering that happened like uh, over you know. 27 years ago. That's pretty good. 
Yeah, it still stands the test of time. Probably, I mean, it was probably just as good, if not better, than Andre, but it won't get that notoriety, though, yeah. I don't think. All right, number two for me was uh, Stone Cold and Bret Hart from WrestleMania 13. Just, you know, everyone saw the rise of Austin coming, but at the time, like, you know, the whole crybaby Bret Hart thing just came in, and the match itself was just red hot from beginning to end, like, just fighting into the crowd, you know, just taking it to each other, get Austin getting bloodied up, and him refusing to tap. That's what you know set him for you know the rise that he was going to get, and then it went in turn for Brett. Of course, as that turned him into the crybaby, redid the Heart Foundation, and then eventually the screw job in Montreal. But for me, that match you could watch that over and over again, and still, even if you're a fan of, if you're an Austin fan, you don't really feel like he lost that match. It was just that good. I love that match. Absolutely, Donnie, your number two. It was the greatest match of Stone Cold's career, and it was the greatest match of Bret Hart's career. I'm going with the same exact match. That match just, it it is it is a testament to both of those guys' ability uh, to the Attitude Era and just everything great about wrestling in one match. I thought it was just phenomenal. Well, you know, I had that as uh, number one, actually, uh, in mind as well, so I'm going to switch that with number two, to be number two because the, the, the matches are pretty much interchangeable at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, there's the whole double turn between Bret Hart and Stone Cold doing a, uh, a brawling yet technical fest, um, and Stone Cold, the ending is just so emotional. He's bleeding out, um, and, he, you know, Hart wins, but yet he doesn't, and Stone Cold loses, yet he doesn't, and Stone Cold just becomes huge afterwards, so definitely a great match. Indeed. I. I'm, I'm glad we all agree to just because <laughs> it was number because number two on our list does not mean the match itself was no, number I mean, two. All these matches are could be number ones easily. So indeed. So again, no surprise. Number one for me was Warrior and Savage, mm. just for the fact that I mean I had no expectations on Warrior being any good in the ring at all. And if you looked at his any matches that he was good in, it's because the other guys carried him like Rick Rude or you know Savage Hogan. You name it, even Flair when they had a brief thing, but like that, the match itself, like again, and we discussed a lot of it earlier, but just the emotion of it, the fact that Warrior walked to the ring, the fact that like you could, you just felt like it, like the seriousness of it, because neither guy was was you know backing down, and then the whole Elizabeth thing at the end, like it was a good decent match, like it it went for a while, but I could watch it and never get you know pulled away to do something else. It's just that good. I love that match. Donnie, your number one. WrestleMania 11, Bam Bam Bigelow versus Lawrence Taylor is the antithesis of my number one. That match was awful. This match is amazing. It's Undertaker. It's HBK. It's their first encounter, and it's everything that wrestling should be. Perfectly booked. I, I remember watching this with my sister and my father. Neither of whom are really into wrestling at all, but I took a DVD of this, and I put it in, and I made them watch it, and both of them were on the edge of their seats. This is a match that transcends the business. I, it's the greatest match of all time, and, and that's my opinion. <laughs> you know, Take it or leave it, but I don't think wrestling gets any better than that first HBK versus Undertaker match. Nice. Jim? Well, nine number one, which actually is special number two, uh, but anyway, this could easily be number one, too. Uh, also, Shawn Michaels uh, versus Razor Ramon ladder match in WrestleMania 10. 
Nice. Uh, that was, oh, man, just the, the not just the emotion, but this, the the use of the ladder had never been done before into it that degree in WWF at the time. And, um, you know, he had Shawn Michaels as the, uh, the villain and Razor Ramon as the uh, kind of anti-hero face. And, uh, man, those guys, you know, they put on a show. Um, I, I think this is everything that WrestleMania is, which having those big feature matches, which end feuds, uh, and you do it with such a good gimmick that, you know, both those guys, you know, use that ladder perfectly. Um, and it just kind of goes to show that you don't have to go over the top with the gimmicks to make them work really well when you have two guys wrestling it. So I, I think for me, um, oddly enough, you know, all the matches I picked were all undercard matches. I didn't pick any main events um, because, you know, those are really the matches that people really worked on. Um, so I don't think that there have been Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker unless he had Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon years before. That that's a really good choice, uh, Donnie. One one thing though, when you kept bringing up HBK, I'm terribly surprised you didn't bring up his match to Tonka at WrestleMania Nine. <laughs> I I have it on VHS tape, man. I go back to it every weekend. No, <laughs> just uh, the El Matador match at WrestleMania Eight, and and Jim, no John Cena match. Come on. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, John Cena, uh, he, uh, I don't think there's been a really great match he's ever done in WrestleMania that I've seen. Uh, but then again, I haven't seen a lot of recent WrestleManias, unfortunately, um, whether his lack of interest or because uh, I just couldn't get the time to do it. So His his match with Shawn Michaels is actually really good from WrestleMania 23. Okay, yeah, that was a good one. And his Triple H match isn't too bad. No. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like two guys, Brian. Okay, just, I'm so sorry. Like, and I wanted to put the HBK Kurt Angle match. I thought somebody would have put that on there. Yeah, I mean, that, that was good too. I, that's I another one I've never seen. So, out of our list, um, how many Shawn Michael matches are there that we have on here? Because I have two. I had three. Yeah. And I had a goose egg. <laughs> oh. Really? Uh, Mr. WrestleMania it, gets ignored. Well, it wasn't intentional though. Like, I mean, I wasn't trying to, you know put him to the side. I just, I don't know, I like the other ones better. But, okay, is there a match that would have made your top five, but you just couldn't squeeze it in? Oh, man, definitely uh, Savage versus uh, Warrior. That that was really good. Um, Andre versus uh, Hogan, WrestleMania 3. Un- uh, Hogan versus uh, Ultimate Warrior. Um, uh, Shawn Michaels, not Shawn Michaels, but Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10. Uh, uh, that was that was fantastic. Um I was talking about that one for a while myself. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure there's a lot of WrestleMania matches I have not seen that, that really deserve to be looked at as, as best matches, but for the past 10 years or so, my wrestling has been off and on, so I haven't really got around to watching a lot of... Yeah, Donnie, did you have one or two that you couldn't squeeze in there? Yeah, like the the first Money in the Bank match uh, just caught my attention. That stood out as something wonderful. Um, Hogan versus The Rock, where they pretty much turned Hogan face... The crowd turned Hogan face yeah, in the middle of the match. Yeah, that was great. Uh, what a moment. I mean, my, my hair was standing up at the time. Um, and uh, I think those were the two. The ones that James mentioned were also in my list, the Steamboat Savage, uh, Hogan, uh, Andre, and, and all the, the Savage matches. Um, but I think the top five are, are pretty fair. I, I, that, that Undertaker HBK2 was almost edged out by uh, by. Steamboat and uh, Savage from because man that match is good. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. It holds up. Yeah, definitely. And also forgot to mention uh, to uh, Benoit versus uh, Triple H versus Shawn Michaels WrestleMania Who? 20. Uh, he was a um, guy 
Uh, we don't talk about much. <laughs> he was, he was, he was Canadian. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't mention him at all. But yeah, uh, he's kind of blacklisted from our list. <laughs> oh, that's right. Well, it's because yeah. I mean, what other matches did he have? His current angle match at seventeen was good, but um, I think it's uh, him versus William Regal too at WrestleMania uh, seventeen. I want to say um, I think that was really good too. But uh, I think he wrestled William Regal anyway. Uh, that's another uh, story. No, just a quick correction. Yeah, it was it was him and Kurt Angle at seventeen because Regal fought Jericho same pay per view. That's right. I get this confused. That's right. It was it was uh, Benoit versus uh, Kurt Angle and then Kurt Angle could and actually both of those guys could just go at that time. Before we keep before this thing gets way out of control, like there was one match that I I, I have half thought of putting on it, but I know you guys would have laughed me out of the out of the podcast for was uh, Hogan McMahon from WrestleMania nineteen. <laughs> if you guys, if you guys remember that, like you that think like a... two, yeah, yeah, I completely like, forgot about that. Like two old guys think it's gonna sink the joint up, but like they really got into like ladders, announce tables. They were both bloody. Piper came in, like it was just it was that good. Like I really wanted to use that one. It was anyway. Well, I think we're almost out of time, guys. So uh, any parting thoughts? Uh, now, what's the uh, top five for next week? Oh yeah, that's uh, see, isn't it your call for top five next week? Is it? I believe it is. Good, because yeah. I've got one in the chamber. Okay. Um, current roster, you guys now have unlimited resources and you can start your own company. What are the top five guys of current active wrestlers in the WWE that you would start a brand new company with? Good question. Okay. Top five right. wrestlers to start your it's company. Got, it's got to be current or can you do all time? Let's do all time. I'll, I'll call the audible. That's pretty good. All time. Uh, Holy so crap. we'll do all time. Wow. All right, well. All right. <laughs> that's pretty much every wrestler that's ever been ever. All right. Uh, and also, next week, we're doing WrestleMania 18, uh, the post-attitude, post-invasion uh, WrestleMania. I look so, forward to it. That's I another one I have not seen. I've not seen it in a while, so I'm looking forward to watching that again. I forgot the um, uh, the Hogan versus uh, Rock match, so that's going to be good. Hey, any, anytime you can watch Billy and Chuck as a tag team, you got to do it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, from the DB&J uh, podcast, this is Termuckle Jim. Hey, it's Chair Shot Donnie. Sorry for the audio issues. Fast count, Brian. Thanks for listening, uh, our 12 or 15 people we have. Uh, we know we're, we're growing exponentially, um, so we have like two subscribers now, so that's that's something. All well, right, thank guys. you, thank you, thank you. I think two. they're both my alternate alias accounts. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Thank you, listeners. Good fight, good night. Good night.